Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read or tweet or post or hear about, check us out online at texaspolicy.com. Today we're going to discuss government accountability. Specifically, what do you do? What do you do when your elected leaders defy the will of the people? Where do you turn when the politicians ignore the results of an election? No, we're not going to rehash the presidential contest of 2020, but our story does in fact start with that election, uh, which I'll explain in just a moment. With me today to help break down this issue is Alex Fairley. Alex is an Amarillo businessman who was at the center of the the controversy. I'll let him tell his side of the story in just a minute, but just to set the stage, Alex organized the campaign against allowing the city of Amarillo to borrow hundreds of millions of dollars that the taxpayers would eventually be on the hook for. And spoiler alert, he won. But that's actually just where the story gets interesting. So welcome, Alex, to The Breakdown. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, you know, most people are just familiar with Amarillo, uh, thanks to the, the famous George Strait song, uh, Amarillo by Morning. But if, in fact, someone does drive all the way from San Antonio to Amarillo, uh, what, what would you suggest uh, that they go see and make sure that they don't miss if they're in, in Amarillo? Yeah, so I would say, first of all, they should go to Paladero Canyon. Mm-hmm. I think they say it's the country's second biggest canyon. Um, and it's beautiful and big and um, um, they probably should go to the Big Texan which okay. has the famous 72 ounce steak if you eat it in an hour <laughs> you don't have to pay uh, and then another really unique thing is probably the Cadillac Ranch and it's some guy who 20 years ago buried mm-hmm. 10 Cadillacs in the ground at the same angle and it seems a little boring but it, there's always people out there looking at I that feel thing. like I've seen that. I'm a huge fan yeah. of the Day Tripper, if you've ever seen his shows. And I feel like he, he did a show up there. And, and I remember, I mean, it's hard not to remember the, the picture of the Cadillacs yeah. sticking out of the ground. Yeah. All right. So get outside while you're there. Enjoy the, the outdoors uh, and get a steak. All right. All right. So let's jump into um, let's jump into the issue. And I'll, I'll let you tell the story. But, but it really starts with a bond election in 2020, uh, where the city of Amarillo wanted to borrow hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'll leave it there and let you tell the the listeners what happened then. Yeah, they wanted to uh, borrow $275 million and fund it with a general obligation bond to to build and and refurbish our uh, uh, civic center. And I wasn't necessarily against the idea of of improving our downtown. In fact, I I would be a fan of that. But um, I wasn't so much a fan of the plan. I didn't think it was great. And so... Anyway, I, I didn't see this issue being that big back then, but Amarillo voted that that down in 2020. Okay, and so um, was this was it a particularly close vote? It wasn't very close. I think it was 61-39. So oh, well, 60-40. That's, that's not that's not too close for bond elections. I mean, I you know, I'm no Carl Rove, but I mean that sounds like a like a whooping to me. To yeah, by 20 points. Yeah, I think they were very surprised, and the people for it are, are tend to be people of means, and mm-hmm. they spent a lot of money and. A nice website. I think they had a campaign manager, a full-time guy that helped them, and so I think it was a. It probably was a tough loss. For so them. it was a. I mean, for your mere effort, it was just more of a community, you know, alerting the public, kind of a grassroots operation type thing. Well, my effort really began in about July of that year because I went to the city council, uh, the companies. Some one of the companies that we own has a lot of experience and in that area and, and building arenas and sporting events and how they work and operate and how you run them and plan them. And so I went to the city first and said, Hey, could we, 
could we talk about this? I, I think, I think we can make this plan a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So you're actually trying to work with them on. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they, they, they though, they didn't really want to involve me. Mm-hmm. And I told them that I felt like it, we were going to waste a bunch of money. One, I, one, in fact, we ended up putting together our own plan. We spent our own money completely building our own plan, architects, drawings, everything, because we felt like it could be done for about $100 million less. Wow. Uh, Which is it, about it, half or a third, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, and it, it performed economically almost twice as good. Hmm. Um, but they they kind of were stuck on doing their own plan. So, and so. so once the, the, the vote fails, how did the community react? Um, how did the, the council members and, and other folks, was there, you know, outrage or was there a celebration or what yeah, was so, the Yeah, so, no, I would say, um, I would say it was, you know, I don't think there was any, you know, out there reaction on either side. The mayor quickly came back out and said, um, okay, we've heard you, um, but we still want to do this. And so she put together a committee of, of one person who was the head of the PAC who provided all the money to, to push the bond election. Um, and her, and I think an assistant city manager, and they pursued a project that took a, over a year to see if they could figure out a, a, a way to fund it with private money, a, a public, a private public-private partnership. So they obviously, I mean, even from the get-go, they were not accepting of the will of the people. Oh, no. They, they, they started she, immediately yeah. trying to figure out how they were going to finance it. Yeah, our mayor said to several people, like, we're going to get this project done. We'll find a way. Hmm. Yeah. As a way, as, as like retaliation? No, or just, just I, the- I, think, uh, I think there's a little bit, uh, there's probably a little bit, you know, you watch me mm-hmm. mentality, but I just think they genuinely believe in, in it. And, and frankly, I have no problem with that. They, if they want a new civic center, they have every right to want a new civic center. But, um, but while they kind of alluded to the idea that they were listening, they, they immediately went out and tried to find a way. And, and that, that P3 project ultimately failed. A year later, the consultant they, they hired, they paid $500,000 to, came back and said, you know, there's really no way to do this with with private. So they funding. weren't going to be able to raise the funds for to in order to do the project they wanted to. Because you had a you had a, you mentioned you had a counter proposal. What was their reaction to you know? It seems like you're trying to be helpful here. Yeah, they wouldn't look at it. They wouldn't hmm. meet. They wouldn't talk about it. They they basically wouldn't acknowledge it. So in in May of this year. So fast. So it, I don't want to skip ahead. Were there indications? Because in in May of I'll just lay it out a little bit earlier this year in may the city council votes to borrow the the money anyway using a backdoor uh i don't know a procedure we'll get to that in just a second but between 2020 and earlier this may was there any indication that they were working behind the scenes to try and, and figure something out to go around the voters yeah um they you know they they began that p3 committee and i think it's maybe february of 21 and um, they were working on it and the public knew that was going on. And I reached out to that group of people in about uh, maybe first of November and just said, look, we, we kind of know a lot about this and we don't believe the P3 project is gonna deliver anything. Like mm-hmm. there's no magic rabbit to pull out of the hat. So let's get around the table and let's, let's start talking about what we could do that may be more reasonable that we could talk Amarillo into being behind. Mm-hmm. And they basically just placated me and said, we're working on it. As soon as we get our official answer from the P3 people, we'll come and include you. And I, I, we knew they were working on it. Was there any discussion at all of like, 
hey, what are we doing? Why, why? We're just ignoring the will of the people. We're just going to ignore the fact that we had an election on this, that the people of Amarillo were given every case or every opportunity uh, to vote for this. Was there any indication that, that maybe they were that they should try something different or see it, or, or like to your point, get something that the people could get behind. Yeah, no. Um, then I would, I would say that might be as just sad maybe as any part of this. But when I came and said, look, you're not going to get a P3 deal. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. We're going to have to go ask Amarillo if they want to do this. And to do that, we just got to, we got to get a better plan. Like they mm-hmm. resoundingly said, no. And I said, I, I'll help. And I'll, I'll get behind it. If we can do something that's smart and more reasonable, works better. Um, but um, they were determined. They right. were going to get their deal done. And just and for our listeners who aren't up on all the jargon, the P3 is the public-private partnership. Right. You're referring right. to. Okay. Um, so the city council, so then fast forward in May, they've been, they basically from day one since the election said, you know what, watch this. We're going to get it done one way or the other. Uh, who cares what the voters have to say? Uh, so in May of this year, the city council votes to borrow the money anyway, uh, using a backdoor approach called the, a tax and revenue anticipation note. Alex, what is a tax and revenue anticipation note? Yeah, so technically it's a just a, it's just a, a tax anticipation note. Um, um, and the fact that, I don't know where you got your information from, but, but the fact that they call it tax and revenue is like a huge part of, of the lawsuit that I filed because... Because it's it's not a tax and revenue note, which assume which which assumes some revenue is coming mm-hmm. in. It was a it was a tax note, and that comes from Government Code Code fourteen thirty one, and it basically is a tool that municipalities have to raise money without asking taxpayers. The it's limited by the term, so you can't borrow money for thirty years. In Amarillo, we could only borrow it for seven. Okay, and generally they're they're small, and the and the spirit of fourteen thirty one of the anticipation note government code is to do things that that we need help carrying forward like to the next budget cycle it's kind of like a bridge Mm -hmm. or things that are public work things like the fire station burned down and we've got to have a new one and it doesn't matter if taxpayers you know agree or not right okay so almost like an emergency type type that's the spirit of that Prize. It certainly was never intended to, to build a civic we center. We didn't need an emergency civic center upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> they never made that case. Um, so what is, in, in, in your in your opinion on this, now is this stuff that you knew about beforehand or did you have to like read up and research on this, uh, you know, in, basically in the last, you know, eight months or however long? Yeah, I never heard of a ta- an anticipation note ever <laughs> in my life until May. Mm-hmm. And, and when I found out they're going to, Go ahead anyway. I had sensed that they were going ahead. They were finding a way no matter what. I, I you know, it, it's a small town and you can kind of figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But um, I had never heard of an ta- anticipation note. So I went and started just looking and researching on my own. And it just didn't feel right to me. Not only not only did it seem wrong to me, just, just, just wrong to say, I know you, we asked you and you said, no, mm-hmm. we're doing it anyway. Like my question was, well, why, why did you ever ask us? Like, what, <laughs> what, what was the point of asking us if you could go ahead anyway? But second of all, the size was, it was, I was shocked. The largest anticipation note ever in the history of the state of Texas hmm. before Amarillo was 60 million. And that was done by the city of San Antonio, which, whose economy is 10 times our size. Right, yeah. So 60 million, and it was used for bridges and things like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I read the law. And so... And just to reiterate, the city center was 275? 260. 260. Wow, 200 million more. So that was my first, I thought, I thought, why is nothing 
ever been this big. Like, like it, it's, it, you know, so in other words, I just, you know, uh, you know, uh, testified before the Ways and Means, House Ways and Means Committee mm -hmm. in Texas a few minutes ago. And I told them that Amarillo doing 260 would be like Houston do, doing, I think the number's 3.8 billion. <laughs> and, and like in one day they voted in, didn't ask anyone, don't, there's no recourse and anticipation notes mm -hmm. that citizens can't go back and say, wait, you know, wait a minute, maybe we want to petit. None of that is available. Mm -hmm. So it was just a shocking number and mostly just my gut, just, just, just common sense said something just has to be wrong with this. Mm -hmm. And what is the, I mean, just in a bigger picture, you know, what message does this send? If they're allowed to do it this way, this obviously sends a message to other cities like a San Antonio or Dallas that, oh, hey, I didn't realize we could use uh, that kind of procedure or that kind of tactic to get these massive sums of, of money. You know, next time they probably won't even ask the, the, the voters to weigh in. What's the what's the danger? By, uh, I, I just told the, the House and Ways Committee in Texas, I said, there will never need to be another general um, a, a, a general obligation bond election in the state of Texas. Like, like, like Amarillo has outlined a way to say we want something and if we have a majority vote on our council, we can just get it. And I don't know why we'd ever, ever have another bond election because mm -hmm. they just don't need to ask us if, if they succeed in pulling this off. And of course, bond elections happen all the time and it's a, it's a way for the, the public to weigh in, obviously, and to hold their members accountable for how, how the money is spent. So this is just a total end run to, around what is ingrained in Texas law as a, as a way to hold our, our uh, officials accountable, no? Yeah, end run around is, I think, the most accurate, perfect term. They, they just said, you know what, we want this, we have the votes, we're doing it anyway. Now, was your, and I want to get to your, your testimony, we'll have a couple minutes left here. Uh, you mentioned that you, you did recently um, uh, speak in front of the, the House Ways and Means Committee on this issue. Uh, what was their reaction when you, when you spelled this out for them? You know, I would say, I think they were kind of shocked. Like, you know, there were, there were Democrats there and there were Republicans there. And in my opinion, this isn't a partisan issue. I think if I think if you're for taxpayers in any way, you would you would be aghast at what Amarillo was trying to do. But they there were a lot of questions and they wanted to dig in. And a couple of them said, I'm just shocked. I, I, I this can't be right. Like mm -hmm. like this 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 isn't the intent of 1431 or the anticipation note. There was a couple on there that clearly are experts in it. Mm -hmm. Like like they quickly you know, ask questions. I a I, lot of local, former local government officials become state rep officials, okay. right? So they probably yeah. are, are aware. A couple of them, I could knew. tell they knew, and they were. I mean, they were. In fact, one of them said, and and he was a Democrat, I believe. He said, because I said I I'm in Austin because I don't think this is just an Amarillo issue. I think this is an everybody in Texas issue mm -hmm. if they pull it off. And that guy, who I, I believe he was a Democrat, said, listen, I would just send a message right now to every other city. You better not be thinking about doing this. This isn't right. So what can they do in the law? And did you have uh, a solution or a proposal or something, a reform that they could look at next session that would not just say, hey, don't do this, but would say it's going to be illegal for you to do? Yeah, I, I propose very generally, because I'm not a lawyer or a lawmaker, but I proposed three things that I thought they could do to address, because anticipation notes are a valuable tool 
and necessary. Like I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, you but, used two great examples of the the firehouse that burned down. Obviously, yeah. you don't need a referendum to figure out if you need to right. use right. the money for that. So that's a great example. Yeah, someone said to me earlier in the day, the anticipation notes are like a city having a credit card where general obligation bonds are like getting a mortgage. And I think they're really important at times and valuable. And, and whoever wrote that law at the beginning, it seems like a smart, sensible tool that, that they need. But, so how do you prevent the abuse? Um, there's, a, there's a few things. One is I think you, you, you address the uses, like what they can use them for. Like if you go back and look at what all the other cities have used them for, no one's ever built a civic center. So I think, there, I think there's some lines to be, a box to be drawn around here, the kind of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a there's a part of that law, the government code, that says that, and it's only a bit of accountability written into the code that says when you when you issue these in the ordinance that you issue them, you must impose the tax in the ordinance. And the spirit of that was, okay, you don't have to ask them, but you gotta you gotta tell them what you're doing. And Amarillo didn't do that, and nobody has ever litigated what those three words must impose a tax. And we're, we're litigating that and we'll see what happens. But I've told him, I, I think you need to be clear on that. Like, like you, and then the third thing that I suggested is um, the, the, the Senate um, uh, did a revamping of these things in uh, their last session, you know, three years ago, 2019. And um, it, with certificates of obligation, they added a, 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 a piece to that law that, that made cities notify taxpayers and gave taxpayers the right to draw up a petition of 5% of the voters. And if, if that happened, then it has to go and be voted on. And I said, I think that would be a good idea to apply to anticipation notes also. Well, Alex, thank you so much for stepping up. I mean, as you mentioned, you're not a politician. You're not a, uh, you're not a lawyer. I mean, this is, this is not your day job to, to organize these things and fight and then come all the way to Austin uh, to testify. But thank you for doing that because um, as we've seen, um, when, when regular folks stand up and, and say this is an outrage or, or this can't stand and then take the extra step of actually coming and meeting with legislators and, and sitting in front of them and explaining the problem and how that affects people, it has a tremendous impact. It is incredibly powerful. We hear it from, from members all the time uh, um, you know, asking us, hey, if this is a real reform that you want to get done, go to my district. Talk to the people there, and if this is a real issue for them, then I'll, I'll take a really close look at it. So you've done that today, and it's it's not something that's easy to do, and it's not something that everybody has the time to do. So thank you so much, and again, thank you for being on the on the podcast as well. Thank you. If, if I could just say real quick, I don't think this would be happening without the help of the TPPF. I, I didn't know the TPPF six months. I had never heard of them. And um, someone introduced us, and you guys have been just – so incredibly supportive. Um, and so I, I would, I, I would say I'm happy to do what we're doing, but you guys, um, I don't think it would be looking like this without your help. So well, we you. really, really appreciate that, especially the feedback that we obviously need to get our name up into the Amar- up into Amarillo, <laughs> uh, maybe run some ads or have some events up there um, uh, at our next available opportunity. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for being um, on the podcast today. Again, if you're interested in this issue, uh, we've got several op-eds and commentaries that we've written on it. We have more information about it as well. You can see all of that at texaspolicy.com. Thank you for listening.